right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Andrew, you ready for your close-up? Of course. Okay. Welcome to episode 329 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the cesspool today. I'm joined by a live cat man, or what did I change your name to this week? Skidmark83. Yeah, Skidmark83, Andrew Scambatty. Oh. And, of course, the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard, the one, hey, the hey. only cat. Let's just, uh, I just want to just cheers my tea to everyone out there. G'day. Um, just enjoying some peppermint tea on this nice autumn day, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a good day. I hate when not. Nice. Americans try and do an Australian accent. G'day, mate. <laughs> All right. And I'm having something a little bit stronger because in California, we have no air again. Ken, I know your air quality is absolutely shit in Concord. It's horrendous here today. Uh, let's do some news. Uh, awesome news is Japan is reissuing... Peter Chris solo albums don't all go wild at once. These are really tough to find. The original 98 reissues of Out of Control and Let Me Rock You. I, I think the Let Me Rock You pops up for 225 bucks when it becomes available. There's and, no way. And I paid, well, actually I got this from China, so it's probably not real. And it's for, it was 49 But it's they're doing a discount level yeah. ones for like 9.99 plus your shipping is going to be like 80 bucks um cd japan no really good deal and they're going to be limited edition reissues using the same 1998 remaster or master that was on that so ripped from a cassette andrew <laughs> don't go too crazy at once with excitement please uh i think i have out of control i think you know what i do i, I do just a quick story about out of control I worked at a mom and pop video store, one of my very first jobs, and um, I always had Kiss on. And then I remember one day someone comes in and he's like, "You're the guy that's playing all that Kiss stuff, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I like Kiss." And he goes, "Here, I got all this. And I don't want it." And Out of Control was in that pile. Wow, I love it. It's it's really one of my favorite <clears throat> Kiss related releases. I just really dig the yeah, material, I, the sound. Ken. Yeah, I haven't had it on CD ever, so I did. I did order it. I'd ordered both of those on CD uh, from CD Japan. So finally, I'll finally have those on CD. And what a great site, by the way, CD Japan. I ordered, just like you guys did, I ordered some of the new uh, 2020 Masters. I got double platinum. It shipped DHL, uh, clear customs in record time, and uh, it got to me with no problems. Packaged really well. I'm talking about the actual outer package. So uh, hats off to them. So order from CD Japan. They're awesome. They really are. They're pack. They actually give you options on how you want it packaged as well now yeah, on yeah. the yeah, website, which I find is absolutely fantastic. Comes wrapped. My last uh, delivery, which was the Vinnie Vincent CDs and I and uh, the one we gave away, Killers, uh, came wrapped in tissue paper and bubble wrap, mm -hmm. and then more tissue paper in an oversized box. I, I it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, as someone who's actually received LPs in a flimsy envelope uh or even a bubble mailer you know broken into shards is really refreshing so i have never had a bad delivery phone i've been shopping with them for oh well over a decade so i think that's where i got my uh memorial clover z versus kiss i got both of those i think i got those from cd japan as okay. well too yeah i i definitely did i got the uh jigoku retsudan from them whole bunch of stuff. All right, what else has anyone bought this week? Because I got um, one thing in yesterday, and uh, I posted this up on Facebook today, so people who don't do social media, you're smart. And it is an EMI cassette of Kiss Alive yeah, from, very cool. from England. And what I always liked about these, I'll just hold up the camera, hopefully my my background thing doesn't screw things up, is the gold EMI. That was their signature thing in the 70s. And, of course, I grew up there. And our one of our few cassettes that we had that I took as a child and listened to continuously was the Beatles uh, Rubber Soul cassette. So I always remember that gold design. And when I was starting out collecting, I didn't realize that Kiss had been on EMI as well and had those. So when I first saw these things pop up, I was like, ooh, got to have gold, shiny, Beatles, connection with my youth. So really stupid. What, uh, what have you gotten, Andrew? 
this uh, two things I'm going to talk about, and both uh, oddly enough connections with my youth as well too. I mean, we all know that in 2014 they reissued Psycho Circus. Yes. Yay, lenticular cover. And then also in 2014, uh, the German. This section isn't even open yet. So it was the German, which was the non-lenticular cover with the censored logo. And that was just out at Record Store Day. And I don't know if we if we knew about this or if whatever it was, but here's a non-lenticular 2014 Psycho Circus. Um, it says 2014 all over. It says it's the exact same as the lenticular cover, just no lenticular artwork. And if you look, it's not just – it's cropped a little bit differently than the German one. I'm not going to be able to show it on camera, but if you're holding up the non-lenticular with the German non-lenticular – uh, it's definitely cropped differently. The circus face is a little bigger, and you know things are kind of in in different places. So it's kind of cool. So I saw it and I was like, I guess I got to get that. You know, uh, Psycho Circus holds a special place for me. It was the first Kiss album I bought the day it came out in 1998, uh, and Halloween always reminds me of Psycho Circus. So I was feeling very nostalgic. You know, it was it's October. I was in Michigan and uh, I saw it and I was like, ah, it holds a special place for me. So I had to get it, and I did. So now I have three copies of that that I've never listened to on vinyl. Very uh, cool. But, but uh, also uh, on eBay, I did find a full set of Spin Magazine promotional posters. Previous to that, I had never seen all four together. I'd only seen, I think, maybe Gene or Paul, or maybe even just Gene. But I found all four of them, and um, they were supposed to be here on Saturday, but it still says shipping, so I hope they get to me at some point. So we'll see. Oh. Oh, those are nice. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, I got two things in the mail this week. One of them was the uh, Kiss Alive uh, vinyl. Um, I I did I stick stuck the sticker on myself. People are gonna get crazy on it about that. But uh, yeah, I did that. I got that, and obviously it's in this colored or whatever. Uh, Whatever it was, the smoke color or whatever. It's like and, a, a jawbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's kind of like that. Someone said a pineapple. <laughs> it's pineapple. Like a pineapple. I don't know, but you know. Someone else also pointed right. out that it looks like the fireball on the yeah yeah the, the colors from the fireball on the inside of the jacket, which could be you know part you know different colors. Um, the other a- thing I got, Andrew, you wouldn't have seen that because you blocked the person. Yeah, the other thing is I got this uh, the book Kiss and Philosophy book, um, oh. and uh, I, I just started a little bit last night reading you know a few pages. So far, it's uh, it's good. It's an it's an enjoyable read so far. So I think it's going to be uh, you know a fun thing to uh, go through. So I also it's like, it's one of got... the only books that's coming out for for a little while as far as Kiss goes. There are, there aren't any. A well, lot of there's other Kiss the, books uh, coming out right Phantoms, now. There's the Phantoms, of Phantoms yeah. which I uh, I think I have it, mine shipped. I haven't received it. Yeah, I got mine. It's, it's a good fast read, but good. Yeah, you know, it's got stuff in that people haven't read before, and Ron finally got the book out. You know, yeah. uh, he took 20 years, but he didn't take pre-orders, so all's fair. <laughs> there we, there, right there we, there we go. I got one thing for Record Store Day, and completely, well, kind of Kiss related. I'm gonna say. It is, of course, the E1 issue of Sad Wings of Destiny by Judas Priest. And, of course, Rob Halford was on the most recent issue or episode of Three Sides. Most recent issue. (laughs) Issue, yeah. Issues. Um, But, you know, Priest did at least open for Kiss in 1979. So, tangentially uh, related to Kiss. I got one other thing. Now, we do read the board. Well, I try not to, but I do have to sometimes go to the Kiss FAQ, um, being the admin. <laughs> no, you know, can't really shirk that duty. But we did see your post about us doing um, makeup for the Halloween oh, yeah. episode, which technically this is. I would just like to say, I was prepared. I ordered my makeup kit. I was going to do myself up as Peter Chris in honor of my favorite member of the band but work interrupted all my plans and i've just been so busy this week i've been on call i have been paged every single night in the middle of the night and i didn't finish work until right before the show today and i wasn't even going to make it to this show 
um, I'm sorry. I really would have loved to at least myself have done it. I know one of us has worn makeup before and can probably attest to what a pain in the ass it is to do properly. It's not a pain in the ass. It's definitely, there was definitely a learning curve. When I first started, like it was like dripping off my face, but I definitely perfected it. But uh, for me, for people that know me personally, they know that when I was in the Kiss tribute band that I performed and it didn't end good, it didn't end on good terms. So putting that on is like um, an abused child seeing the parent that used to abuse him again. So putting that makeup on, I just remember how miserable I was. When I was when I was doing it, so I don't know if I'd ever do it again. I mean, he, here's the thing: I never really dressed up or anything like thing with that for Halloween. It was just it was my job. It really was. We we got we made really great money at, at the time, and uh, you know it was fun. And when it wasn't fun, I I got out of it. Am I ever gonna put Kiss makeup on again? Probably not. I don't even think I have any of the stuff anymore. That's not to say I couldn't get it. I certainly know what I would still get as far as the professional clown makeup goes, but. You know, I don't know. There probably need to be a really good reason uh, uh, to do it. But Julian, Peter Chris is the hardest one to do. I know. He really is. But Peter's also, you know, more fitting into my own identity if I was going to do it. Mm. I would never be a demon. That is totally not my character. I would never be Paul Stanley or Space or or uh, the Spaceman. Just definitely not. I, I would definitely be Catman if I were to do makeup. Uh, Ken, you of course have done makeup in the past. Yeah, I I, I did it. I went through two. Uh, what was it called? Kiss my face, right? Kiss makeup your face kit. makeup. Kiss From your Remco. face. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, two of those kits in the late seventies. I did that twice then. So I went through two of those kits, and then I did another one in i want to say somewhere around re, you know reunion time or maybe it was before reunion time actually um and then i do have a a kit from maybe the early 2000s but i think that's probably dried out it's in a box somewhere i was actually gonna gonna buy one of those new ones like like you uh julian and and i, I was definitely considering it then you know there's just too much going on and I never got around to ordering it. So it takes two hours to put it on properly. It really does. If yeah, you want to get it takes it. a while to put them on. Yeah, put I, it on. But I, yeah. I pulled the instructions out of this thing, and I was like, "Oh my god, I got to be done from work by such and such a time, <laughs> so I can go wash my face, and then I got to do this, I got to do that." And for, you know what? Today just did not work out. I've well, here, got... here, here, here's, here's what I do for all, for the listeners out there that wanted us to do this. I'll just I'll give you uh, I'll be your Howard Cosell, and I'll give you my play by play on how the makeup goes on. Like if you're ever wondering how Kiss does it, this is one of the ways that, that Kiss does it because it's my understanding that each member of Kiss kind of has their different way that they did it. So uh, what I did is I always kind of had oilier skin than the other guys. So I would just take uh, a powder puff with a little bit of baby powder on it and I would just dab my face with the baby powder to kind of absorb all the natural oils that are on my face. You don't really want to put alcohol or anything uh, with an astringent on your face because it's going to dry it out. And then when you're putting that grease makeup on your your dry skin, your skin's going to produce even more oil, and that could cause blockages and breakouts. So the baby powder for me, it really just naturally kind of dabbed up all the oil. So what I would do is I would take a a really soft, um, not an eyeliner brush, but a makeup brush, closer to an eyebrow brush if you were going to buy one at your at the makeup store. Would draw my design in black. Then I would take more baby powder, a little more than before. I'd powder the black so that wouldn't run. Then basically with my finger, I would fill in most of the white, get all the white in there, uh, tighten up the little edges of the white with a little uh, angle brush. Angle brush is the best to do. That's how you got the sharp edges on your face. So I would get uh, an angle brush in there. Then I would, uh, I would even out the white. Some people would use a makeup sponge to even out the white. Uh, what I would do is I would just take my finger with a little bit of makeup on it, and I would just kind of tap around my face. And doing that would just kind of get all the blotchiness and all, if there was any globs. Mm-hmm. powder the white uh, then I would do my green powder the green um, then I would do the black you don't want to powder the black because if you powder the black then you got to do it again because mm-hmm. the black would turn gray after you powdered it so I would never powder the black and I didn't need to with the type of makeup I was using it was a professional Ben Nye clown makeup which is what Tommy Thayer uses oh, um, okay. 
<laughs> so then I would do that, and then I would uh, then I would do the, the silver on my nose, and the very last thing I would do to do my lips, I would use a I would use two parts. I would use a um, lip liner pencil to kind of draw the outline of my lips, and then I would use regular lipstick, and I would just put that, you know, right on my lips. And there you go, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, Here's that would have been a hell of a learning curve for me. I've never worn makeup, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about that night in Bangkok. Um, there, there, there we if go. it was exceptionally hot or an exceptionally hot show, I would mist some hairspray as the final seal over oh, that. Because you always had extra hairspray. Wow. That, that, that's a, a lot of work, but there you go. You, you kind of explained it as professional clown. Or what is it? <laughs> ben, I... Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly... That's good. That's good. That's exactly what I am. All right, so let's get let's get into a couple of topics. One thing I do want to address: one of the questions we had on YouTube on the channel from Ed Van Esch last week is, uh, "Did Marcus Almighty quit the podcast?" No, Mark's been very busy. He is doing pre-orders of his new album in the year thirty seventy three, book two, starting on. That's a fucking politician that's Mark call. calling now. That, that's a politician calling okay. right now. Oh, okay. And they can get bent. I'm sick of them. Um, but let's okay. go back to the to the beginning of that. Mark's releasing his uh, new album in the year 3073, book two. And that is, of course, his Project Gemini album um, on November the 7th. And his pre-orders for the CD start on November the 1st. And having heard the album, it is absolutely incredible. It really is good. We did a Look It's Rock and Roll podcast with Mark uh, and talked about the album and had it playing in the background while we did it. So I'm going to punch in a commercial here that tells you all about it. Boom. The new Project Gemini album in the year 3073, book two, is coming November the 7th, 2020. Pre-orders for physical CDs start November the 1st. Visit projectgemini.bandcamp.com for more information. Don't miss out on this fantastic slab of Canadian progressive metal. All right, and we're back. What a cool guy! I really like I really like Marcus. He's uh, I, I always enjoy his uh, projects. He's got a uh, well projects. It's Project Gemini, huh? Uh, he's got a lot of passion, and uh, he's good at what he does. So uh, listen, go go support him and go listen to his music. It's uh, it's really good. Yeah, now this episode is dropping around Halloween time, so I want to do something kind of mm-hmm. special since I've seen on Facebook. Uh, of course, Ron got his book out. Uh, conversations with phantoms and people have been posting certain memorabilia from that era because kiss meets the phantom of the park did make so many people a fan so we're going to do a giveaway this week and we are going to give away a copy of Ooh, nice Ooh. It is, it is a used copy, of course, so it is not mint sure. in, in packaging. It has been scanned. It has been read. Uh, we're also going to sweeten that with a Gene Simmons guitar pick because Gene is, of course, the demon, and that goes well with the theme of Halloween and, mm-hmm. of course, the Kiss Cruise, which I would have been flying to. I would have already been right. in, in Orlando for Kiss Cruise, whatever it is, 10? 10. 10. Yeah, Kiss Cruise X had the world not gone to shit this year. So uh, stay tuned in because you just never know when I'm going to tell you the details of how you can win this. And it's open to anywhere in the world. We'd never restrict you because we're cheap bastards when it comes to postage. Uh, But today's, because I've been busy and I've done zero prep for the show, we're just going to dig into some bore topics, some random conversation. Uh, Halloween memories. Andrew, you've recently rewatched a cut of mtv unplugged i haven't watched it yet i haven't, you haven't? watched it yet, oh you've only got it. it yeah but i have it um and i one of my good friends out of buffalo joe teresi he i guess he just so happened to tape the original airing of mtv unplugged halloween 95 so it's got the commercials from 95 so this halloween since there's not gonna be too many parties or whatever going on i'm gonna just sit home probably get my favorite chinese food and watch an original airing of MTV Unplugged from 95. So, uh, but before we do that, let's drop in a commercial 
for Kiss MTV Unplugged that was on in 95. So let's take a look at that now. From MTV, music television. <laughs> it's Halloween, and that means MTV is even scarier than usual. Spend the day here watching your favorite shows hosted by your favorite fiends with special Halloween tricks and treats all day long. And when darkness falls, the MTV premiere of Kiss Unplugged, followed by a never-before-seen Beavis and Butthead Halloween adventure. <laughs> Halloween on MTV, where strange costumes and freakish behavior are a way of life. But yeah, I mean, for me, I know it's very, um, I know it's uh, been very, very, uh, very overplayed and everybody says Kiss is Halloween, but yeah, I really do think it is. There's so many cool things that happen with Kiss and Halloween. There's obviously MTV Unplugged that was, uh, that aired for the very first time, taped in August, but then aired on Halloween. Then you have the big Dietra Stadium Psycho Circus Tour starting on Fox where Kiss was on Matt TV and Millennium and all that stuff. And, you know, just Halloween and Kiss is always very much synonymous, especially with Kiss Me's to Phantom airing October 28th, 1978. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's something it's something cool. So probably what I'll do on Halloween is I'm probably going to watch that airing of MTV Unplugged. And then I'm going to turn on Kiss Meets the Phantom right after that. Nice. How cool. So that leads me into my first question, and, and you can come back, come back and answer it after I talk to Ken. Um, but what is your favorite Kiss Halloween memory? When you think of Halloween, what is the thing that resonates the most with you, Ken? And you've been there through thick and thin, except for you didn't. Did you see Paul Lynn live? No, what's, no, I didn't. But what's funny about that Paul Lynn thing? Because I was thinking about it actually just this last week with this, you know, Halloween coming up. And I was thinking, you know, I thought, why didn't I watch the Paul Lind Halloween special? Because I was a, I was a you know, Paul Lind fan. I liked Paul Lind. And I liked the, the guests that he ha- had on that, uh, on the show. Um, you know, the, what, what the witches, the two witches even. Um, and, and I thought, I must, I, I said, there's no way I would have missed that. I must have watched something else. So I went back to it. I searched and found a TV guide uh, for that night, uh, the airings that happened on that night. And the only thing I saw that I would have watched maybe instead of that um, is, or it caught my eye because, and I didn't see Paul in, it was a Bob Hope, a Bob Hope special, comedy special. Because uh, I liked Bob Hope, um, and so I think I probably watched that. Now I would have. So I was thinking, well, I would have come into Kiss probably uh, a year, well, a little, a little bit earlier, maybe a half a year earlier than I did. Um, so it happened a little bit later for me, but that's that's what I missed. So my first Halloween experience, though, with Kiss was, was the. Uh, the actual airing of the Kiss Me Stephanum. I saw it when it aired. Uh, I watched it with my sister, actually. She wasn't really a huge, I think she didn't really, she knew about Kiss, but she didn't know. I said, yeah, come watch, come watch this movie with me. I said, it's going to be really good, you know? And so we watched it. We, you know, man, when we first watched it, we both enjoyed it. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I had never seen Kiss live or on video at that point. I all I saw is pictures. I saw pictures and magazines, the, the albums and album covers, stuff like that. So I had never seen that. So that was a, a big deal for me. That was probably the bigger, biggest one. Um, otherwise, I would say, yeah, Unplugged was a, was a big deal, too, for me. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's like I remember Psycho Circus well when all that stuff was going on. Um, and I remember watching that. So, and I watched Unplugged when it first aired too. I also watched Tom Snyder when it first aired. I got, I saw oh, yeah, all those. I forgot about that. Yeah, Tom Snyder was a big deal for me too. I remember coming back, and actually, I had Kiss makeup on that night. We and my friends. I came back. I knew they were going to be on. I was back, and I, I think I still had. I may have taken the make off, makeup off, but I, I, myself, and my 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 mother watched it. You know, watched that uh, episode. So. Those are some of the the big things. uh, What's your number one? What is the one 
that stands out the most to you when I say, what's your number one? You know it popped into your head. We did? Yeah, you, you knew immediately what is your most important or your most memorable Kiss Halloween memory. Well, I mean, it, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, but I, I'm going <laughs> to say the first one. It was probably Kiss Me the Phantom. Yeah, watching that one. Yeah. Because um, that was the really first first thing um, after starting to get into them. And, and just, you know, just before that, just, you know, or around the same time, right? I bought the solo albums, you know. So... Mm-hmm. So that was all kind of in the same thing. It was kind of a lot of kiss hype going on right then. Yeah, that's so cool how it's so it so permeates our lives that it takes us back. I mean, for me, I was in England, so and I wasn't a kiss fan. So and nothing in the 70s matters. My number one kiss Halloween memory is Dodger Stadium. I was there. Oh yeah. You know, and all the excitement around that. Here's the new album was coming out, and there was so much hope, there was so much uh, expectation. But then to to have what was for me my first Kiss show in a stadium, albeit Dodger Stadium. Um, was it was it cool? Or do you do you watch the Dodger Stadium on Kissology Volume Three often? Do you like do you use that to kind of remember the show, or what totally, are your thoughts on that? Totally. Totally. Even with the bad Peter angle, I watched that. I watched the uh, the rehearsal video. Um, it, it, just because, again, it's your first show, and when your first show is documented to that level, you're very lucky. Because I know I get a I lot know. of emails of people, uh, you know, because of the the concert history website, who come to me saying, "Hey, this was my first show. Do you know of any recordings of it? How important that is to fans when they look back to have a." a a documented piece of history that they can go back to and reference, even if it's a crappy sounding audience bootleg, they don't care. And, you know, while I, I can never provide people with any material or directions to where they can find it, I can at least say, yes, it exists. You, you're just going to have to go look for it. Um, but mine is on Kissology. So I'm, I'm very lucky. I mean, I know I've got some friends on Facebook uh, who, you know, were, at shows in the 70s that are on there so just how special it is as a kiss fan to have your actual your favorite memory um you know for any particular period of your personal history is so cool andrew do you think sorry ken i was, I was gonna say yeah what's all right i said do you think that the, there will be a new memory this halloween uh, well not this halloween <laughs> but around halloween um or get a surprise. I think we, we, we won't. Um, I'm I, surprised that they didn't drop a live two the, anniversary. I thought that's well, that, that, and then the, uh, the kiss documentary that the, you know, history, which is the documentary from A and E. Yeah. 2021. I, was, I heard that's coming out. There, 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 there are some surprises coming and leave it at that. Or else they wouldn't be surprises. Yeah. No one wants to wake up on Christmas Eve and have Santa take the pillows out from the um, either your dad or whoever it is. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. All every right. one of those every one of those um, memories that you guys were talking about made me smile because I remembered where I was the first time I saw the Tom Snyder interview. I got a bad VHS copy of it in 1998. It was called Hell in the Asylum. Uh, Bill Sabetta from the Kiss Tree Band Strutter was on the cover of that VHS tape, and uh, I got that, and it was poorly edited because since it was an unofficial video, there was no Kiss music involved. So the the part about Beth was taken out, and uh, the Dynasty promo was taken out. So it wasn't until years later that I was able to see a complete version of that Tom Snyder show, which I have in my collection now, and it includes the commercials. This is really cool. so I that I totally forgot that that aired on Halloween. I don't know why that that slipped my mind. I yeah. wasn't really a a huge diehard fan when Unplugged aired. I was aware of the band at that time, but I wasn't like a, a diehard fan. It wasn't until Halloween '97 that I was like I was in like I was or Halloween no Halloween '96 '96 Halloween '96 yeah yeah I, I was like I was in at, at that point in time, but um, but for me it's it's got to be it's it's Julian's it's Dodger Stadium. Because I remember watching the preview channel. When I was watching the previews, like just scroll past, and Kiss was on the preview channel. You know, talking about the the partnership with Fox and the 3D, and the hype was out of control, out of control. And at that point, I already had tickets to see 
or did I have tickets? I uh, sometimes what I like to do is I like to go back and I like to reread the news on Kiss Asylum, like the news from '97, '96, and '98. Uh, and I think I think that those shows were announced October 24th. I think that's when they were announced. So I may have had tickets by Halloween or just right after when I got is when I got the tickets. And I, obviously my show that year was Kiss at the Garden, November 23rd, 98. But I still remember sitting, I had a little 13 inch TV. I got like, you know, the basic cable, like the basic 20 or some odd channels. And I, it was tuned into Fox. So I was watching Mad TV and I thought it was so cool that Kiss was on Mad TV. Saturday Night Live would never do this, but Mad TV did it. And then after that, I remember watching Kiss Live, the ultimate Halloween party. And I think I was I was a little angry that they only showed two songs. Uh, I was East Coast, so I saw Psycho Circus and Let Me Go Rock and Roll. You West Coasters saw Psycho Circus and Shouted Out Loud. But I'm watching, and they're they're going over all of these um, all these circus acts, and I was like, Ugh. why? Why am I watching this? Okay, Psycho Circus would have been cool, but like show like one, like just one little thing and show more Kiss stuff. Yeah. That's what so, I was closest to at the show, though. I was closest to the circus acts, which, uh, if if I recall correctly, because I'd had quite a bit to drink, um, was opposite from the stage, about as far as you could get from the stage is where I was. So that's why the show on Kissology means so much to me, as does obviously the the unofficial edit of that which uh you know i i think superior but you know to have been there at least i got to see the circus live which for what it's worth would not have worked well and i'm glad it didn't translate into the whole tour um also i got to hear the debut the public debut because i wasn't at the rehearsal um of the three songs from the album for better or worse and everything that comes after and all the drama of finding out about the illusion uh that the album was didn't matter a damn to me at that point there i was first night opening night of a tour for a, a new kiss studio album and the first one from the originals you know the historic moments the historic places are what have become important to me as a kiss fan which is why i made the the pilgrimage to be sacrilegious to the forum and to Madison Square Garden and why I went to opening night in Vancouver because I was retreading that kind of holy ground of my personal story. For the end of the road, I went to opening night, whereas my first concert, seeing finally being able to see Kiss after all my trials and tribulations, was the opening night of the Psycho Circus tour, which really the last album from the originals. Do, do you think it's funny that you're a little bit older than me, but I saw Kiss before you? No, I don't, because it's you just... You were supposed per- to go to Finsbury Park. I was supposed to go to Donington in 88. Mm. And 96. Oof. And Birmingham. Been- and 90. Manchester. And that. Wembley in 96. Oof. But because of personal circumstances, Oof. if you do stupid stuff, you don't get to do fun stuff let that be a listen a lesson to any anyone over the age of 11 <laughs> actually i was 11 when i saw kiss i was 11 <laughs> you know that's, and that's and then cool. of course finsbury you know a, a car breaking down who has control over that uh just call it a whole bunch of karma literally yeesh <laughs> <laughs> But still, I mean, uh, what's so cool about the Dodger Stadium shows, even before we got the version on Kissology, there was an unofficial pro shot version that was circulating. But also you had that awesome radio broadcast. And at the time, a lot of the the Kiss Asylums and the Kiss Collectors and the Kiss FAQs and Kiss Otakus, they were saying that this might be the very last high quality Kiss recording. Because after that, the Farewell Tour came to be and you know, we ended up getting the last kiss, which I was at. Which wasn't high quality. Um, it, the Japanese version was. <laughs> no, in terms of performance, you know, trying to compare East Rutherford, either of the the soundboards from that, with the performance on Psycho Circus, there was still a glimmer of hope within that band. I agree. There, there I agree. was still a, a a spark, an ember, 
smoldering mm-hmm. in the in the tinder. It hadn't completely died at that point. No, no, you're you're right about that. It does. I did go um, last Friday. I did go on a nice. I love my fall walks. I went on a nice fall walk and I listened to Dodger Stadium '98, and I was like, "This sounds cool." There's a cool little pre-show interview that that some radio disc jockey did, which was cool to listen to. And here in that show, it just it sounds cool. It it sounds cool. And at the time, uh, Paul's Flying Effect was still new because they he only had debuted that in March of '97, so it was only in the last couple of months of the reunion tour. But finally seeing it in Dodger Stadium was cool. It looked like a giant clothesline. You're like, is he going to make it out here? You know? <laughs> um, but li- listen, that time, I- I'm always going to look fondly back on that time. I love the reunion tour more than I love Psycho Circus. Um, I also was never a really big fan of those Destroyer costumes anyway. Uh, I was always a huge fan of the Love Gun costumes. So, I don't know. I, I always I look back at those times fondly. So, yeah. I will. I'll, I'll always say, "Hey, this is this is cool stuff. This is cool stuff." Let's move on to uh, one of the questions that I kind of threw into our little planning uh, session. And Ken, I'm going to start with you on this, but I, I do want to tell people how to win this copy of the Phantom magazine. Just email me at kissfaq at outlook.com with the word Phantom. And uh, you'll be entered in the random drawing, which I'll do next week, and you'll get an email if you're a winner. And if you're a loser, um, I won't tell you that. I'll only tell you if you're a winner. All right, so let's talk about one of these topics from the board. Ken, this is why I hate so many tribute bands. (laughs) And that's like really a bad subject, I guess, to go to someone who's been in a tribute band, but he's no longer in one. And I want to flip this around because I don't want to be negative. There's enough of that in the world. What do you like about tribute bands? I mean, do you follow any of the videos that pop up? Um, I mean, I was sent a video today of a band that was doing a live stream um, and doing stuff like Magic Touch. You know, what are some of the the things that you like about tribute bands, tribute cuts, you know, covers that kind of resonate with you? What what do you appreciate about it? Um, Because we're not going to talk about hate. This isn't isn't the Carnival of Souls episode. Yeah, it's what I am. Underneath his heart beats the heart. I I appreciate the the effort that they put in. <laughs> um, were you going to start, um, Andrew? Uh, huh? so sorry. Uh, no, I appreciate the effort that the, those bands put in. Um, but then there's sometimes, yeah, you can see there is. They try something missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something missing in some some cases. But what I notice is uh, I like to see um, some of these. You know, I saw some recently uh, where they do them unmasked era stuff or something like that. Um, and, and you know, and some of the guys, you know, they fit. I think some of them like sometimes you get a guy that sounds somewhat like Paul Stanley. And then you get a guy that has does not. Um, <laughs> that does not. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like uh, I like to see it. I just to see how how they do and you know listen to the music and see and it's like oh yeah they did a pretty good job or or they didn't and I'll just you know if I really don't like it I'll just turn it right off. Um, it seems like the bands unfortunately there's it's a good one one good member in each band that's kind of does really well to meet that character or the voice or their playing or their, the way they uh, present themselves on stage. Uh, if they can get, you know, pick and choose these different ones and put them together in one, it, you might have a pretty good uh, tribute band. Um, there, I mean, it's the same thing with like, you know, the Beatles sometimes like that. Sometimes they have, and there's been a lot of good tribute bands for, with the Beatles. And, uh, and, but there's always like one guy that doesn't really fit. like, Wait a minute, that guy, he doesn't sound like, you know, Ringo or whatever. Um, but having said that, I have no problem with them. I think it's great that they, they do it. Uh, gives people a chance to maybe see a version of the band that they never seen before. If they couldn't afford going to, you know, pay 100 to 200 bucks for, the you know, the, the current lineup. Um they get something, I guess. They get a, a glimpse of what Kiss was like 
Yeah, very cool. I mean, I do like cover bands, especially when they go to kind of some of the efforts that some of the Kiss bands go to. Um, right. It's it's always like trying to take it to the next level. But I've also seen some pretty dire ones, and you're like, yeah, nice effort. You you get where they're coming from, even if they lack the chops, even if they lack the kind of look um, to pull it off convincingly. That I always say that someone's actually taken the time to try and do it. So I want to appreciate that just, you know, it's not a participation medal, but I think it has to be respected that, number one, it takes a set of cojones to put it out there for people to, number one, bash the fuck out of by doing a, a post on the FAQ. This is the things I hate about, you know, and, and that's why I wanted to flip it around because I wanted to say, hey, you go out there, you may not actually be any good and shouldn't be doing it, but more power to you for having the guts to get up on stage because I've done that and I'm not a great guitarist and I'm an even worse singer. And when you do throw yourself up there as a personal challenge, because that's one of your main fears of performing in public. And I, that's the only reason I do it because I like to face my demons every now and then, um, you know, and you're adding to it makeup. You're adding to it the band that you're going against, going up against. And that's a very high bar to be measured by, whether you're talking about being measured against 70s Kiss or as people still refer to current Kiss as a tribute band because of Tommy and Eric. Right. Um, so there are other bands that inspire the same sort of commitment that Kiss do. There's a fantastic ZZ Top tribute band called Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers that I got mm. to see uh, in Santa Rosa, straight down to beards that are real, same length, and they knock the shit out of the ZZ Top set list that they do to the point where I'm like, this is absolutely incredible. I love ZZ Top and actually getting to watch that band play like that is, is just so damn fun. So, mm. you know, I, I think for me, what do I like about them? I like that they're actually doing it, that they're inspired enough to do that when other fans are inspired to do book projects or fan video edits, um, <laughs> you know, to, to have a creative outlet. And I'll never say don't do it because, you know, if you go on the cruise and you see the jam sessions and fans get up and do stuff, it's about the fun. Andrew, you've yeah. actually sat in that seat. What do you um, I, I don't want to say professional because that sounds so pompous, especially if you say, oh, yeah, OK. Uh, but what do you like about tribute bands, especially before you were in one? Well, they inspire I seeing Kiss tribute bands at the New York Kiss convention inspired me to want to be in a tribute band. And I just I did it because I just wanted to have fun. I wanted to some people want to dress up like Superman on Halloween. I wanted mm -hmm. to dress up like Kiss and uh I was fortunate enough that I knew how to play my instrument. I had been in marching band and other little bands before that. So, um, yeah, it was cool. What I hear, I'll just say this without singling out any member of any band. What I hate about Kiss tribute bands is when you have somebody who is clearly past their prime and all they know how to play is Dr. Love on guitar. And they're going to say they're the ultimate Kiss tribute band. They don't understand the theory or the how to play music. They just can play Dr. Love and 12 other Kiss songs, and they're going to think they're the best Kiss tribute band. They don't understand how to be musical. They couldn't sit in, in a bar band, or they couldn't go and play other music any places. That's what I hate. I hate when someone decides, oh, I'm going to put on a bad wig, and where can I get the cheapest costume? And then they're just going to play Dr. Love. That's what I hate. Uh, I think some tribute bands are good, and I think some aren't as good. Um, you know, I was lucky. And you're also and, and you're also biased, you know, because you, you've been in one. Um, you know, and and as fans, I we've all seen good ones or ones that are passable. Because I think Ken nailed it. There's always one that's got one character that nails it, and the other ones that don't quite. Right? I mean. I think that was one of your points. And in terms of performance, true. I don't true. think, I think when you get there, it's not as easy to do kiss as people think. No, it's not because here's the thing too. If you're doing the tribute correctly, 
Nobody wants to see Andrew. Nobody wants to see Ken. Nobody wants to see Julian. They want to see those iconic characters. They want to see Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, Nace Freely. That's what they want to see. So leave all of that crap that you think that you saw Tommy Lee do or you want to play like Mike Portnoy in this part. Leave all that crap outside and just play the parts as you saw them. There's a great – I mean you could play like Eric Singer. You could play like Peter Chris, play like Eric Carr, play like Bruce Kulik, Vincent. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, you just do what people remember about kiss and uh i i think you can it's clear when you can see people that put an effort into it and it's clear when you think people are just going to put on i mean listen i've seen a lot of fat guys in tights they could barely fit into the costume no offense to any of those people but maybe you shouldn't be doing this you know um i'm certainly not fit enough to go and be an olympic runner or i'm not going to be a a javelin captain i'm not going to do it but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I think I'm gonna go do it and then say I'm the best at it. That's the problem. Um, with me, I I got lucky. I look like Peter Chris in the makeup. That has nothing to do with anything. No, you I don't. Just put the, I want I want you in a Rory Gallagher album. Uh, you know, tribute band, but you can't play guitar. Can you? Can't play guitar. <laughs> can't right. play guitar. So can you, I, can you <laughs> sing? Yeah, of course. Uh, um, no, I mean properly, like Rory. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. They're, the people that do the best in the tribute bands were in original bands, were in other cover bands. They understand music. That's exactly Those exactly th- the point with that ZZ Top band. They are also, um, I believe they're the Watchers. And go check out some of their stuff on Spotify. They are a fantastic fucking band. Yeah, and those are the best tribute bands. There's a, a great Beatles band, 1964. Those guys have been in millions of bands and they have so much experience you know there's um there, there's so many bands and and the, the people that do it the best are the best musicians like because that, they understand like like what ken oh i'm gonna say it's it's like when i saw cold gin they were really good it was just a little club there's no effects or anything but they were really good and i i, I remember you know Saying, "Hey, that guy playing Ace is—he's pretty darn good." <laughs> I had no idea. Had no idea. And no, I, no idea. Knowing later on down the road that he will would become, you know, that character. So, yeah. It's just not going to happen to too many tribute band guys. I mean, you, you see some of the them with the egos that start coming into play. It's just some of them need a little bit of a lecture from Gene Simmons on line one. Uh, guys, you're the tribute band. I'm the real deal. Um, just remember that you are not Tommy Thayer. But you, you guys need to remember, too, that before Tommy Thayer was in Cold Gin, he had his own original band, Black and Blue. He was an accomplished songwriter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. with Harlow and Doro and a touring yeah. band. And I even mean. after his tenure in in the Kiss tribute world, he was touring with the band. He was make he was doing video projects, doing book projects. He the the guy is not a tribute band flunky. He's precisely not, precisely he's an exactly. accomplished musician, accomplished producer, and uh, an accomplished. Uh, media mogul, hands down. Yeah, w- without yeah. a doubt. And don't forget, Cold Jim went to Japan, didn't they? That is correct. That is, cr- and they also played Kiss. Which member's birthday party? Gene or was it Paul's? I think it was Gene's. Yeah. So, so there you go. You, you won't hear a bad word against Tommy on this show unless it's actual uh, constructive criticism about something that Tommy's done in his career, because this Tommy's a guy. You know, whose band opened up for Aerosmith on their Back in the Saddle tour. Um, they covered Same Old Song and Dance for, on their Fairburn, the first Fairburn album, uh, Without Love, in 85. You know, and then he went on to do some things afterwards. Even though I'm not a big fan of Black and Blue, you know, his the work he did with Shake the Faith is really really good so there's going to be no bashing of anyone for being in a tribute band Uh, just appreciation for anyone who has i want to move into another topic and this one i'm going to start with you uh ken because uh it's a gene simmons related topic gene's show pieces pick a fave and this is uh was posted today god of thunder war machine or unholy not all written by gene some of the more theatrical other uh than others in performance, all thematically aligned with Gene that we know and love. 
which one is your favorite when it comes to those three and only one option is permitted God. you're gonna well, pick you're gonna pick unholy to make lonnie happy since he couldn't be with no, us today uh, <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not gonna pick unholy you know i've i'm boy i i'm gonna have to say god of thunder uh, even though he didn't write it though I enjoy listening to War Machine a lot more than I I, I like listening to uh, God of Thunder. I just I just love War Machine, but God of Thunder is just a perfect you know fit for Gene, and it's it's a great you know moment in during the concert uh, when they do that one and um, at right after you know doing the what splitting blood and so on and and going up. Well, sometimes it you know flies up, or now it's it was on a now he takes an elevator, a lift, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but still, it, it's always good. And then the part in the song and live where it has uh, after the solo, the the towards the end, you know, the voice effect yeah, on the, there, which, which is, is very the, cool. The phasing, Peter the phasing, testing his cymbals during the reunion tour. He's just he's at Guitar Center, just testing them all out, <laughs> test these out, make so, sure it works still. So yeah, I, I I mean God of Thunder, it just it's just stuck with him, and and that's the one. Though again, I I I've always I just love War Machine. You know, Hole is good, but I I just you know I just have to give it to I guess God of Thunder just for it's the perfect fit. Yeah, nice, Andrew. What would be your one pick out of those three? God of Thunder. It's got to be God of Thunder. It always has to be God of Thunder. I think you cheapen the effect and you cheapen the song when you move that. I don't always need the drum solo in God of Thunder, but, uh, you know, they tried to do it before Unholy on the Rock the Nation tour. I, I don't know, felt kind of disjointed. Um, they also had to do like a little like a little arrangement extension in the middle of the song. And I'm like, what's, what's this, like Days of Our Lives Unholy? I'm like, what's going on here? Um so I didn't really like that, and I, I never really liked the bass solo before War Machine. I know most of the times they did it, Gene wasn't spitting blood, and I know now he spits fire at the end of War Machine, but oh, it's got to be God of Thunder. It's got to be. That's Gene's. It's the best Gene song because it's written by Paul. <laughs> yeah, so um, so for me, Unholy, it is not. Uh, again, Rock the Nation tour is one of my constructive criticisms of Tommy is that I still have not heard Bruce live do Unholy. And that is the difference, that I just didn't feel that he nailed the the guitar part, and that ruined the whole song for me, as much as I was excited to hear it live. And uh, again, that's just a a personal taste observation. Uh, Opinions vary. Um, War Machine, I am so sick of having seen so many shows over the past few years that my opinion is biased currently against that song, as wonderful as it is. So while he didn't write it, he sure as hell owns it. God of Thunder. Um, And it really is the marquee piece going back to the vast majority of live concerts and shows in the classic makeup era where it makes the most impact. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. All right. That was a good topic. Uh, but who posted that? That was uh, The Foolish Thing. Another great name. No idea who you are, but thank you. Um, Skidmark83. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I want to change that back on your account. Um, <laughs> the Vinny Bash. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there, or they've signed a non-disclosure act or agreement... Um, did it happen? Are you hearing anything? He's a, I believe he's announced a new one uh, for February. Come on. Come on. Who cares at this point? Fuck that. Excuse me. Excuse me. Who? The purpose of being in the entertainment industry is to attract the most amount of people to entertain. If all you're doing is charging 500 bucks a pop to the same 15 people, come on, man. It's time. It's time. And, and it's just like Vinny to be like, I'm going to record it and put out a DVD. Bro, DVD medium is dead. You should either put out a Blu-ray or make it a digital download. Come on, man. Come on. I just, I, I, I can't. I was shocked that it happened. I know there are some people that went and had a great time. And hey, good for them. If you got the $500 that you want to spend. But it's, it's, it is completely ridiculous at this point. It's beyond ridiculous. 
and rant scene. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I had a little chat with someone that was a a friend of the show, more or less. Um, and they said that, you know, it it was nice. Uh, that Vinny, Vinny, I guess played, uh, invasion, you know the first album some first album tunes on day one and then day two twisted twisted animal yeah he played a few acoustic songs and some creatures of the night electric um also um and then i guess they you know he i guess he mentioned he was talked about like eric carr a bit here and there and uh uh I heard also that the food wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh, the, 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 like sal- the salad wasn't freshly tossed. Cold, cold you know, cold Gin. burritos, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but the music says what uh, this person said was was great, and Vinny was friendly, very friendly. Um, I guess true or false? T- Did they have to pay an extra hundred dollars for his signature? That is what I hear was true. They are that I do I, not know. But then one. again, I was not there, so I cannot confirm. And it really seems that the NDAs have really put quite a bit of a kibosh on people commenting publicly, mainly because they probably want to stay in one of those secret Vinnie Vincent groups. So it really raises questions. Mike Brun did do a podcast with an attendee, but I, I found inconsistencies when I listened to that. And that's no reflection on Mike, by the way. Um, who does great interviews and has great content. Um, but from what I had heard, um, this video was filmed using a handheld iPhone, which oh. <laughs> is, is not, again, unconfirmed. I was not there. This is hearsay. It's inadmissible in court, and I'm simply passing along what I have heard. Um, I paid my money to get a ticket for the first event, and would happily have incurred the all of the costs involved in going from San Francisco to what was Memphis at the time. Yeah, to, it's to, yeah, that 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 would have been really cool. But everything I hear on each successive one seems to be that you're paying to get in the door, and then these add-ons or some of the insane merchandise prices just don't add up to his value for myself as a fan. Now, I know some friends have gone and have said that they enjoyed themselves. And to me, that kind of ends the discussion. Because as long as they had a good time, as long as they're being honest to themselves and not restrained by something that they signed, that they can't say anything bad about it. But I I see such little detail. I also heard that there was no band backing Vinny that he was basically doing the metal tech type thing. And uh, other people say that that's completely not true. Well, uh, again, if that tree falls in the woods, was Vinny playing the tape? It doesn't matter if he was playing. Yeah, he was playing, uh, from what I heard, is he's playing to, uh, you know, a tracks, playing along with tracks, you know, or two tracks. And But the problem was is the those tracks were louder, a little bit on to the loud side, so it was hard hearing his you know solos on on that um and the, the only other, yeah the only other thing is um uh was that you know i guess he wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest <laughs> this time the the fact that he needs to wear a bulletproof vest should just be like an oh, illustration of don't take payment for product before having it to deliver <laughs> i mean oh. tw- 23 years on he is still wearing a bulletproof vest because he is so scared of crazy Kiss fans over what a hundred bucks. Yeah. So well, he's I, done it multiple I guess he's times. feeling he's, better about that now. Yeah. No, he, he's done it. He hasn't delivered on any of the promises that he made. Any of the things that he suggested he could do, he hasn't delivered. I have lost interest. I've just disassociated myself from him mm. and his drama, and just enjoy the music that I listen to. I have no hopes of ever hearing anything interesting out of his vaults. I have no interest in paying the amount of money to actually go to one of these events, especially now with the specter of NDAs. If I go and, so- and do something, I actually want to be able to talk about it and celebrate it. I, you know, for better or worse, um, 
be, be honest about it. But if you're restraining people from talking about an event that they've paid their good money for, I am totally against that. And it's no wonder that little bits and pieces drip out, which you then have to call into question. If you were completely honest and upfront about it, you might actually be advertising your event to more than a very small cadre of special people who have to be members of a special secret group and get past gatekeepers to get any information. Keymasters, 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 key keymaster, Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. All right. Uh, Let's finish up with one last topic from the board. Which Kiss album do you think has the least filler material on it? So which Kiss album is all killer, very little filler, Ken? Uh, Yeah, I did see this one. Um, I had to think about it, even though it may not be my favorite album, but I I think it's the first album. That's just my opinion. I know there's, you know, uh, the love theme from Kiss. Yeah, you can call that filler. filler but yeah, kind of <laughs> over a period of time. Yeah. Maybe the first time I heard the song, I thought, what the heck is this? You know, uh, on the first listen. But uh, over the years, you kind of feel like, yeah, you kind of enjoy it. It's kind of a, a thing that goes with that album. Um, I know. And then there's, you know, the added on song um and which i heard you know recently uh the original version um you know right yeah yeah i heard that i was like oh wait a minute hey that's the you know, kiss cover there anyway but uh i i think the rest of the songs are all are great on that anyway so i think it's that's the one that has less filler for me than any other album nice Just, thank right. you Great pick. I mean, who's going to say anything bad about the first Kiss album on the whole? Andrew? Rock and Roll Over. It's it's my favorite, and it's has just killer, killer, killer song after killer song. It really does. What's the worst song on there? See You When Your Dreams? Yeah, it's still cool. It's such a 70s Gene song. And uh, even though it may not be one that I want to listen to every Tuesday morning when I wake up, but I never skip it when I'm listening to Rock and Roll Over. So, yeah. Uh, I, I do agree with Ken. There is not a lot of filler on, on the first Kiss album, and how can you, um, how can you challenge that? Because the band had their entire lives at that point to write the first Kiss record, then six months to write the second one. Um, but uh, no, I think for me it's Rock and Roll Over. Yeah, and then 47 years later, look at how much of that first album is still performed. Still. With the exception of Strutter, how dare you not be doing that on the end of the road? Um, just boggles the mind. I'm in full agreement with Andrew, but I could easily agree with Ken as well. I mean, they're, they're both fantastic albums, um, each with just very, very strong material start to finish. I wanted to say Creatures, but then I get keep coming back to keep me coming, and it just kills the... There's a couple on there. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple that teeter on the brink of fillerdom. Um but again, you know, it, it, it's different for everyone. Rock and Roll Over is just that solid Kiss album other than Asylum that I'm happy to go to. That'll take me to a happy place. But you know what? Any of the original albums up to and, well, I guess up to Alive is worthy of a full spin easily. After that, you do get into stuff that becomes artistically pompous. Well, you could say Alive. I mean... You didn't say whether it could be live or, or, well, or yeah, but studio. alive, alive is alive. There's no filler on there. That's a, that's a cop out though. Alive is I like know, the, that, the yeah. cop out to any question kill, about no filler. Greatest kiss. There yeah, you, you know, you know, <laughs> anything about kiss answered two. with that. There you go. There's your answer to every question about kiss. Just hold up a a non-filtered. Uh, you know, there we go. All right. Any any final thoughts? Remember. You know, I told you during the show what to email to me in order to be entered into the drawing for that. Um, but I have to—I actually put a scan up of this. It's on the fact scan FAQ fact scan, scan part of the website, and it's been up there for ten years now. I put it up in September 2010. So if you don't win and you don't have it and you can't get a copy on eBay for a decent price, you can actually go there and see it. 
Um, what else have I shared this week? I shared the first draft of the Kiss Meets the Phantom. I keep meaning to read that, but it's like pretty low quality. It's uh, really difficult. Yeah. So I get like a page in every time. And I've yeah, seen some other fans posting there. So I, I just threw it up there along with the contract for the... Um, and they both have the same file name because I'm really annoying because I put them into different folders and it just automatically starts doing it. So that's up on the FAQ. You can actually go and find the PDFs of that. Uh, only but if some... you have a better copy, let us know because... I love an upgrade. Not... Yeah, I upgrade audio. I upgrade photocopies too. So uh, would love to have that. All right, that's it for this week. Lonnie, we missed you. Hopefully next week we can get you. And hopefully next week I'm not able to mock you for your support of a certain team. Um, but for now... From Andrew, from Ken and myself, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Kissific U podcast. Ah. What? What are you going to say? <laughs> Nothing. So that's going to be our, our outro. It's going to be a high-pitched squeak. Ah. Eh. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.